0: listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathana Rutherford, joined by a special guest for this episode, Ethan Stone. He used to write for the Daily Beacon on, at the University of Tennessee, but now writes for uh, Five Star Preps, and he told me he had something coming, he can't really talk about it, so I'm not going to tease it too much, but Ethan, uh, thank you so much for joining me as a guest on the podcast.
1: Yeah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. It's a little stormy in Knoxville here, Hoping they. uh. Don't delay that baseball game tonight too much, so I'm doing great, and I'm uh, ready to talk some Tennessee basketball.
0: Yeah, for those of you watching on YouTube or listening or wherever you are, you know, however you're consuming this, if you hear any thunder in the background, we're recording this uh, Friday afternoon, like right around after work time, around 5.30 or so, uh, so starting, like literally as we're getting set up, we both heard thunder, and we're like, cool, good timing, uh, so hopefully it won't be too bad, won't be too... Uh, distracting to anyone who's listening here. But again, thank you, Ethan, for coming on. Gene Henley and I will hopefully be able to record next week. He's been very busy. I've been busy uh, with different stuff. So we've just both haven't been able to connect and with times that work out for our schedules to record. Uh, and this week, I wanted to put off to later in the week with Julian Phillips announcing. So that'll be the first thing we get to. But before we get into that, I'll say thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel while you're here and give this video a like. And if you're listening on your podcast app of choice. If you aren't subscribed, please do that. And also if you're an Apple podcast, that's where a lot of you listening to on, on podcasts, leave us a five star review would really, really appreciate that. And you can do the same, same thing on Spotify, but you can't leave a written review on there. So if you want to write us a review on Apple podcasts, that would be fantastic as well. Well, Ethan, as I said, uh going to talk right off the bat here about Julian Phillips, Tennessee lands, the big fish. And it's funny, I was thinking if I was going to have Gene on here, he and I could reminisce because literally like a month maybe maybe not even a month ago but definitely a month ago on the podcast when we had a, a mailbag episode and people were asking us questions about you know who could tennessee add and whatnot we're talking about tyree key at that point we're talking about um yuri collins at that point too and then talking about uh phillips and he and i both agreed to that at that point like a month ago we didn't think tennessee was going to land julian phillips and to be fair about a month ago it didn't look like tennessee was going to land julian phillips but that's how recruiting changes and then now tennessee on Thursday, the big announcement, Julian Phillips did it on the CBS Sports, um, their, one of their shows they have, I think, CBS Sports HQ, announced that he's going to, to Tennessee. Ethan, this is, I don't think it can be overstated that how big of an addition this is, kind of a quote-unquote late addition, I guess, too, to the 22 class for Tennessee that just had B.J. Edwards uh, signed currently in the class. But Phillips has all the makings of a one-and-done potential, which Tennessee, it, it, it's, it's, there's kind of a mix of what a one-and-done production is for a college player because you've seen Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and Kennedy Chandler all be one and done for Tennessee and all have varying degrees of kind of what they contributed to the team, but all were very, very good players. Uh, I think of all those, the ones that had the biggest contributions to Tennessee was KC, obviously. But with Julian Phillips, we'll talk about some more of his fit and everything here in a second, but I want to get kind of your thoughts on him as a player because I've, I've only been able to kind of watch a little bit of some of his film, but what, what film I've seen of his his potential is through the roof. He's a 6'8", 2'10", kind of forward slash wing, really, really more of a wing. Um, he brings a lot of versatility in a lot of different areas, and I think he brings a lot to the table that Tennessee needs, especially on offense. But I, I saw that you tweeted out, Ethan, on the when he announced his commitment that not only did Tennessee land him over Bruce Pearl at Auburn, but it also probably shouldn't be overlooked that Tennessee landed him over, you know, the NBA G League and him potentially just going pro out of high school. So I gotta let you talk about, you know, what Julian Phillips brings to the table, who he is as a player, and then we can kind of get to more some specifics in a second.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just getting back to my tweet, I guess, he he turned down an $800,000 contract for the G League. That's, I mean, we can talk NIL as much as we want. That's insane. To be getting over Bruce Pearl and guys like that is is cool and all, you know, you're you're going up against, I guess, a former rival or a budding rival in, in Tennessee and Auburn right now, but to get him over that kind of money, that's, that's just insane. And, Getting back to who he is as a player, I, I've seen a lot of NBA comps for Mikkel Bridges, which I think is really fair. He's six eight guy can has a lot of a uh, you know presence, I guess, in the paint. But but he moves like he's six foot two. He's he moves like a point guard. He he can finish at the rim. He has the ability, I guess, to get downhill. Um, just a, a great player, I guess, on the outside can shoot the three for a six eight guy. It's not something that you can say for a lot of people. It's actually on the Chase Thomas podcast earlier with uh, Ryan Shumpert and we were talking about how just he really ups Tennessee's ability to just kind of do whatever they want. Like this signing puts, I mean, the small ball lineup, for example, you can have Josiah kind of roaming around at the four of the three and Julian Phillips in the same you know, in the same vein, but Santi Vescovi at the, at the point guard position, Zakai at the point guard position, really whatever you want, you can really move around how much height you want to have with this guy. And I, I feel like that's the most important part. Um, when you're talking about Julian Phillips and his addition to this class, what he brings to the table.
0: Yeah. That was one of my thoughts too, is does he play more of a three? Cause he is kind of a wing. So does he play more on the perimeter? Cause I don't, I don't see him, you know, despite him being six, eight, I don't see him being a, a post guy down low. Like I don't see them trying to use them. Like they were trying to use uh Brandon Hatfield, for example, to me, he's, he's a more, I think what Brendan Huntley Hatfield wanted to be at Tennessee. I think that's what Julian Phillips could be. Because uh, he's just built differently. But Honey Hatfield had the body of a guy that could slash should have been, you know, a really good four. And and what Rick Barnes wants to do, I don't think we'll see Phillips play to me at least like at least not like a traditional four. I think he plays more through. which like you said. I'm going to be interested to see if is in there. You know, does he start? Is he the five? With Arusha's in there, he'll be a five, obviously. But do we see a, a lineup that has you know a Camois at the five? Um or maybe Adu, but I can't want the five, Josiah at the four and Julian Phillips at the three, with which would be weird because usually you go from descending order of tallest to smallest in terms of, you know, five three five, four, three, two, one in the in the spots. Maybe kinda I mean, I don't know, because Josiah's had a lot of experience playing the four the last couple of seasons for Tennessee. It's kinda an undersized four. But with his, his defensive skill set, he's able to guard those guys that are 6'8, 6'9 that play four or you know, play more traditional four roles and other offenses for other teams that Tennessee plays. So the versatility that I think Phillips brings is going to be really interesting. And I think, again, Tennessee still has some spots left on the roster, which we'll talk about in a second and where Tennessee might go there. But yeah, the, the versatility for the lineups this year, just looking at what Tennessee is returning, because again, assuming Josiah and Nivescu come back, which I think they're going to, especially with the Tennessee official Twitter account like interacting with Josiah and stuff recently, like it just seems like he's gonna come back. Uh both those guys did not get NBA Combine invites like Kennedy Chandler did. So again, congratulations to Kennedy Chandler on that. Uh we haven't recorded since that was announced, but he did get an invite to the Combine, which will be taking place uh next week, starting May 16th in Chicago. Uh, So I'll be interested to see his numbers he puts up there. But the Phillips thing to me, I, someone even asked me on Twitter, could he even play just as a little bit of of time as like an oversized two. And I was like, I mean, he could, he's just a skilled player. Like you said that I I think what he really brings is the ability to drive to the basket and attack the rim, which Tennessee does not didn't have last year. And I think you look at Tyreek key, another guy, Tennessee added, he also loves going to attack the basket and drawing fouls. Like that's a big thing for him. he is, um not quite scotty pippen jr-esque we saw this past couple years at Vanderbilt where he you know grabbed <laughs> he attempted like eight nine free throws per game but tyree key averaged like five or six free throw attempts per game um in, in indiana state when i interviewed him on the show which i'll put a card in the top right hand corner here on youtube if you're listening to the podcast you can just go back and find out where you're listening um just a couple episodes ago but Key mentioned that he that he looks for that contact he loves driving in the basket and getting those free throws i don't know I don't know what, you know, Looking have looked at his stats in depth, but I don't know, like, what Phillips, and plus it's harder. they don't track them as, as well in high school and stuff. But i would be interested to see, like, Tennessee's free throw numbers this year weren't super high because they were a lot more perimeter-oriented. And I still expect this team to be more, like, you know, still be fairly perimeter-oriented this upcoming season. But I'm with these two, the two additions that Tennessee already has this year, Ethan, I think the free throw numbers for Tennessee next year could go up significantly. I don't think they'll be to the same degree or level they were when you had Grant admiral especially with grant the way he attacked the basket and stuff i don't think they'll be that high because i think that team as a team might have they got in the top 10 if not top five like of program history in terms of free throw attempts i'm pretty sure they're they're very high up there i don't expect this upcoming season to do that but these two guys especially um i think tennessee really needed someone who could attack the rim and i think they got two guys who love to drive to the basket and you know make the defense crash and if they don't get the rim and, and you know scored they can dish back out and have a wide open three
1: no you're absolutely right it's just like I couldn't help but think while you're talking about the free throw numbers Tennessee like you said they just didn't get to the free throw line much and that's kind of getting away from from what Rick Barnes likes to do I feel like that's why this past season was just so odd I guess in the in the first game where they're shooting 43s a game and all, all of us are reporters are just like hey like this is different isn't it and and Barnes was just kind of acting like it's, it's, you know, business as usual, but it's, there's definitely a change and, and adding guys like Phillips, adding guys like key who love contact. I mean, I was, I was watching a couple highlight videos and I've, I've been watching stuff about Phillips ever since I heard his name, since he decommitted from LSU and he loves going to the rim and he gets fouled often and he finishes it pretty often as well. So I think, um you know, I, there's that math thing. I'm, I'm not a math guy, but the, the more, Instances you do something, the more likely it'll average to the mean, I guess, or, or to the average of, of what it's supposed to be. And Tennessee just wasn't there last season. I think just by the pure volume of the shots, you're probably going to see that number go up. And, and not to mention you got guys that are going to work on their free throw shot. And, and, you know, when, when they were going to the line last year, they weren't exactly hitting them at a high clip either. So we can't forgive them for that right off the bat. But, but you got guys coming in that are very talented, like Phillips, who can shoot the three. So would be able to get his stroke down I feel like in that regard and and I, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of good things coming at least on the offensive end you, you talk a little bit about Tyreek Key. that's his whole thing his offense man I, he hasn't played in a while I know that he you know had that thing with his shoulder I believe last season that held him out for a pretty decent amount of that but I mean he he, he gets downhill the same way Phillips does he's just a little shorter and so we're, we're going to see a lot of that we're going to see a lot of probably getting to the free throw line probably uh you know wanting to I guess, assert their dominance in the paint. And though and Phillips isn't exactly that type of player, that kind of forward slash power forward player, more of a wing, he still has that ability definitely in his game.
0: So when I say, or when anyone says five-star, one-and-done, I think a lot of times most most fans, not all of them, but I think a lot of fans at least, maybe over-inflate that and, and, and make that end up being kind of a, a, a put too much of an emphasis on that maybe too high of expectations i think when you say one and done five star your, your mind immediately goes to someone maybe not maybe i'm you know over generalizing here but i think a lot of, i think there are fans out there who will think of like a zion or like uh you know go to those types of guys who um you think in kentucky and the numerous one duns they've had the guys like cousins and uh gosh i'm just forget they've had so many i've already forgotten all the names but you, you know what I'm talking about like you, you think of guys who go out an average 15 16 points a game and they they get you know six seven eight rebounds if you're a forward or you have four or five assists and and do some you know some ridiculous numbers but honestly the the range for a one and done prospect is vast and really just even a range for a five star is vast I mean look at the Tennessee's five stars that they've gotten under Rick Barnes so far Josiah was the first one he's been here this will be I mean he he will be a a four-year player um he I, he probably technically could try to could have gone pro this year if he wanted to, but I don't know that. I mean, he's testing the waters. So, but he's doing it more for feedback. But that's one. That's one five star. You look at the three that have been one and dones and those would be like Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, and Kennedy Chandler uh, for the last few years in terms of one and done players. And then obviously the other five star that Tennessee got. Under uh, Rick Barnes was Brandon Helley Hatfield, who was one and done at Tennessee, but not because he went to the pro route, but because he transferred to Louisville, Uh, but focusing kind of on like, I don't know that there was a ton of kind of one, one and done potential or hopes with him there. I guess that was kind of early on when he first kind of committed to Tennessee, but I think that kind of died down a little bit as kind of time went on with him, um, even in the off season and stuff, I guess actually Jonas Adu was a five star on one account. So if you want to count him too, as a five star, he was definitely not touted as a one and done player. Um, but just kind of looking at guys that were five stars and and one and done potential or, you know, talked about as one and done's, you really have Josiah to an extent. I don't know that was really ever a serious one and done conversation with him, but really Jaden Keon and Kennedy are the, the three main ones. And you look at what those three produced in Tennessee, of course the COVID year, it's really hard to kind of judge that year, in my opinion, but, and, and being like fair, at least comparison to like, you know, regular, regular years and whatnot, but that year, Jaden Springer led Tennessee in scoring 12.5 points per game, three and a half rebounds, basically three assists. All right, behind him was Keon Johnson, who had 11.3 points per game, three and a half rebounds also, and two and a half assists. And then you had Springer, who made 43.5% of his threes, but attempted just under two per game. Keon attempted the exact same amount or per game, at least, as Jaden, and only shot 27% from three. Uh, both guys were pretty decent at the free throw line, especially Springer, 81%, Keon, 70%. And of course, Keon's defense was superb, uh, probably arguably the best defender on that team. I know Epons obviously had all the blocks and stuff, but in terms of, I guess, you know, pound per pound or whatever, Keon was an extremely good defender on that team. And then, of course, you look at this past season, what Kenny Chandler did, uh, again, leading the team in scoring, just like the two freshmen did the previous season, 13.9 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 4.7 assists, and at 2.2 steals. And again, his defense, not, you know, not, st- I guess wouldn't say stellar, but it wasn't bad. It, it was good defense. Uh, also shot 38.3% from three. Struggled with on the free throw line, which is really weird considering how good he was at shooting otherwise. Just 60% from, or almost 61% from the free throw line. But I'm bringing all that up, Ethan, to get to the point of, you know, what are fair expectations for Julian Phillips, a guy who's a, Pretty much a consensus five star. Pretty much a consensus top twenty player. About top fifteen, really, everywhere you're looking. I've, I've seen him. I think thirteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth is kind of around the range. I've seen him on you know sites like two four seven rivals on three. I don't really look at ESPN, so I don't. I, mean, I just don't think they do a good job recruiting. Um, but really, those main three spots: two four seven rivals and on three have him as a top twenty, top fifteen type player. So he's kind of around where Kennedy was ranked when he came to Tennessee. I'm not expecting a Julian Phillips, especially looking at what Stansky's roster is, who they returned. They have a Vescovy, who is a really good scorer. They have a Josiah, who you know, showed know the in the season he can score. I don't expect him to be a guy who goes and averages 13, 14 points a game, but he's a guy who can average double, double digits like he did this past year in scoring. I, I think we see Wall as long as he's healthy, take, you know, continue his progression, take another step. I don't think you need Phillips to be a guy that comes in and averages 13, 14 points a game like Kennedy Chandler did, but I... But I think it's, you know, fair or not, that's going to be what some people I think expect is him to come in and be a 12, 13, 14 points per game type of player and a a seven, eight rebounds per game type of guy. I personally think, Ethan, that somewhere in that nine to 11 point range and that maybe kind of six, five, five to seven rebounds per game makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know that a lot of people would be like thrilled with that. But if you also look at just if you look at five stars in general, the last few years, look at guys that were comparably ranked to where Phillips has been ranked that's actually pretty good production from a freshman five-star in that kind of 15-ish range where he's where he is I, I just want to say like you know you you hear five-star and one and done and you think okay this guy's gonna be a freshman all-american this guy's gonna be you know, a freshman all SEC. I think Phillips does has a has a you know freshman all-scc type of um potential just like Kennedy Chandler did but I don't you know just because you're a freshman one one and done player doesn't mean you're going to be a a freshman All-American, a, a guy who's going to be, you know, considered for Player of the Year awards. Kennedy Chandler was that. Like, Kennedy Chandler is the best one and done player Tennessee's had since Tobias Harris. Um, and really, those two, you could argue, you could, you can could make really good arguments of who as of who was the better one and done. Tobias or Kennedy? Obviously, team wise and success wise, Kennedy had the better team uh, because Tobias was there for Bruce Pearl's last year. But you could, you could, I would be interested to have maybe the argument in a future podcast as to who was the better one and done player. Was it Tobias or was it Kennedy? Um, but I think those are, that's, that's, those kind of productions I think would make sense for Phillips. I just, but, but the way the roster is made up for Tennessee with Tyreek Key again coming in, who has offensive potential, I don't think expecting Jabari Smith, for example, um, production from Julian Phillips. I've already seen some people mentioning Jabari Smith because they are built similar and kind of look a little similar. I, I'm not expecting that from Julian Phillips. And I just want to put it on record that you'll say, hey, if you are, again, yeah, that's, that's your prerogative, but, Five-star expectations, I, I think, tend to be loftier than they, for the most of the time than they should be for college basketball players.
1: Yeah, it, it really depends on, on, I guess, his production in the first couple games, because Auburn made the mistake of not making... Um, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, <laughs> blanking on his name. Uh, so, Jabari or Walker Kessler? Jabari, J- okay. Jabari Smith. I'm going to start this thought over. Auburn did not make Jabari Smith Their top priority. They should have. It it was mostly Wendell Green. They were a very guard-heavy team, and, and Jabari Smith should have been their guy. And this is going to come down to Barnes. Really, is are you going to build your team around a guy like Julian Phillips, or are you going to go with the same mold that you did last year, which was? If, if, if you look at it through this lens, it's, it was mostly building off the talent that you had at Kennedy Chandler. Um, there was, you know, a lot of outside shooting, which is what Kennedy likes to do, a lot of spreading the paint like Kennedy and Zakai just go to the rim and, and do what they can do and then pass it out for a three. That's, that's been, that was Barnes's philosophy the entire year on offense. And, and you see where it got him. But getting back to the point, a guy like Julian Phillips, he's an immense talent, obviously, and he has the ability, I feel like, to lead an offense. It's just, do you think Barnes is really going to trust him with that in the first year? Now, me personally, I'm of the camp that I doubt it. I don't, uh, you know, he, he puts trust in the freshman very little, uh, obviously Kennedy last year and everything I've said right now is kind of, uh, I guess, going against going against that. And But w- with a guy like Phillips, with, with his talent, I feel like he definitely has that possibility. What I think is going to happen, though, is we're going to see a lot of what I, I said a little bit earlier, that that small ball lineup with. Josiah probably running a lot of the four I I'm going to be very interested to see if Olivier Kamwa plays at all starts at all this season I I mean he's going to play obviously as a, as a role player but I would be very interested to see if if Barnes even has him starting it, it really depends on what he sees from Julian Phillips when he gets to campus and and if he can be that five-star that Keon Johnson that Jaden Springer were when when Kennedy Chandler was when they first got here you know is this going to be another Brandon Huntley Hatfield situation where, yeah, he has the potential, but he's not ready right this instant to be, you know, a, a big time college basketball player. And we see how that ended up, but, you know, going back to what I've I've said, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I, I think, I think Olivier Kamwa is going to be the real piece here. What are you going to do with him? Because he's going to be coming back from an injury and he's going to, he's going to want to have a great year. He's going to want kind of a bounce back thing going on. And I feel like he definitely has the talent to be there, but if, if you've got a guy like Phillips who, plays a lot of the roles, you know, very similar to him, but could fill that better in a small ball lineup. I I I just don't know what he's going to do. Um, It's very interesting the amount of things that that Barnes has at his repertoire now that Julian Phillips is on the team. When he wasn't, there was a lot of relying on uh, a sophomore point guard and Zakai Ziegler to run the team. There was a lot of relying and hoping that Josiah Jordan-James and Santiago Vescovi are going to come back from the draft, which I must say I expect them to do that but it's still a what if, and it's, it's, you know, you Tennessee kind of whiffed on Uri Collins earlier when you don't get a guy like that and given it all to Zakai and, and four-star BJ Edwards, who has struggled on defensive, on the defensive end at Knoxville Catholic. And so there's, there's just the thing I feel like that Phillips really brings to the squad this season is, uh, you know, will he be a, will he be a one and done most likely, but will Barnes build the team around him? That's what I'm more interested to see.
0: Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, I was looking specifically at score yet. This, this I guess kind of built, kind of goes into the points we're talking about. I'll play a little game and see if you can guess it. For those listening, I'm curious to see if listeners can guess it. Ethan, if you had to guess out of the games Tennessee played last year, how many times did Kennedy Chandler lead the team in scoring? Because I have the answer. I'm curious if you if you could guess it.
1: The, the thing that's weird about that Tennessee team is, is it was not dominated by one person. It, mm-hmm. it never was. So I, I would guess it's, it's lower than people are thinking. I would guess it's around four, maybe five. That's being nice. Am I wrong?
0: Out of uh, 35 games, he led the team in scoring seven times last season. And six of those came after Tennessee entered SEC play. So that was, you know, looking at, uh, like you said, it, it really as the team went on it felt more and more like barnes was, was you know building the team more and more kind of around kennedy chandler i think that's reflected in the scoring because again like you said it wasn't dominant vescovy really was the guy who led the team the most in scoring i didn't, I didn't count his up but seeing his name here on espn uh, the high scoring like he, he was he's the most by far like i, I don't know there's i think kennedy chandler is probably second most and he again he's seven um and josiah jordan james was uh four times which is interesting to me but um yeah, I mean seven times out of thirty five, that's that's one fifth. Yeah, I can do football math. Thirty five and seven. That's one that's one one fifth of of you know, Tennessee's games was Kennedy Chandler the leading scorer. But again, six of those seven came after Tennessee entered SEC play. Six of those seven came after um Tennessee's road loss against L S U. That that was his second time he led the team in scoring was that road loss against LSU. And then, you know, the rest of them came after uh, that point on January eighth. So uh, his first time was you know, probably easy to guess. earlier in the year, when Tennessee was on the road at Colorado in December, so yeah, I think you make all great points about you know what Tennessee could look like and kind of what they were relying on before landing uh, Phillips and Key. And you also mentioned Uri Collins, that brings you back to uh, the next kind of talking points I wanted to have here on the show, uh, and that is kind of looking forward. You know, Tennessee gets Tyree Key; they get Julian Phillips is a, a huge addition to this team and has a, a lot of potential. You know, of course, knock on wood, staying healthy, especially for Tyree Key, too, who just had the shoulder um, issue last season. Uh, but he's recovered well. And, he, and you know, if you, again, go back and listen to the interview I did with him. He's doing fine. Um, it looks like he's feeling fine, at least. Um, but looking ahead now, Tennessee still has roster spots available. Uh, You're still only brought in B.J. Edwards, Julian Phillips and Tyree Key as your you know three additions to the roster but you've had so many guys leave in terms of going to the NBA, in terms of graduating, in terms of transferring. You still have spots open, I believe, for three more additions. Two of those guys at Tennessee Targeting, who I think they both they have a really good chance at, at landing, are coming in this weekend, Ethan, and that is Tobey Owaka and DJ Jefferson, two prospects, which we'll, we'll talk about them in a second. But I want to go to the point guard conversation because I think that's really intriguing because you mentioned they, they missed out on Yuri Collins. He decided to stay at St. Louis. Um, which, you know, that's his prerogative. I don't blame him for doing that. Um, but they also, one of the targets they, they had reached out to, Lofton, who's was coming from St. Bonaventure, just announced today that he's going to Florida. So Tennessee will have to play against him, and I don't like that because I think he's a good player. <laughs> uh, and also Mike White is no longer at Florida. So uh, I, there's really only, they can only go up, in my opinion, in terms of their coaching down in Florida. So that'll be interesting to see how Tennessee does against him, how he does at Florida. Um but really, it seems like right now you have. I think there's maybe a couple other names that have been out there for Tennessee on the the point guard front. But it's kind of Tyrese Hunter, and then what after that? Because he he's he's visiting Texas the weekend. That's going to be his last visit, I think. Um, the of the officials he's taking. He visited Tennessee recently, not so long ago. Um, really liked Tennessee from what I gathered. But again, I don't know that Tennessee. He, he's also considering Gonzaga, Purdue, Texas. I think they have more potential kind of immediate pl- path of playing time in terms of him being the main guy at Tennessee. He would, I still think get a really good chunk of minutes, but you would be platooning it kind of more or less with Sakai Ziegler. And then also BJ Edwards is looking to play. He's a really good player. It's just a matter of how much does he, does he play as a true freshman? I I feel like Hunter probably goes to Texas again. He's visiting him this weekend. I don't know when he's going to be announcing or anything like that, Ethan, but if Tennessee misses on Tyrese Hunter, is it worth still going after a, you know, a transfer point guard? Cause I, you know, I, I saw this posted, I think on the, on the forums on uh, Volnation. So shout out to the nation forums. Somebody posted, you know, how far down of the list do you go before just putting in Vescovy as a, as a backup point guard is a better, op- is, you know, is a better option than some person you're going to grab with a transfer portal. You know, should you just save that spot for the 23 recruiting class or the 23, you know, transfer cycle? And I think it's a fair question. If Tency doesn't lend Tyrese Hunter, you know, Ethan, I, I still, th- there's still a couple guys out there, I think, in the transfer portal that I would look at from a point guard perspective. But at some point, it's the law of diminishing returns where the further down that list you go, you might just be better off using, you know, a sophomore and a freshman and then having Bescovie be, you know, a, a, I wouldn't say an emergency, but a guy you put in there. He's better off the ball. I would much prefer to have Bescoby off the ball because we saw this past year he flourished when he didn't have to be the main. Ball handler, and He wouldn't have the, the main ball handler, but, you know, having them come in there and be a point guard for five minutes to give Ziegler a rest would be, you know, not ideal, but it'd be better potentially than a guy you can go pull from, you know, some small college that would not be a big fit at Tennessee. So if Tennessee doesn't get Tyrese Hunter, what are your thoughts on going and getting a transfer point guard? Because I think it's still worth it, but you're getting very dangerously close to the point where it's not going to be worth it uh, if you don't get Tyrese Hunter.
1: Yeah. BJ Edwards is an emergency option, but that doesn't mean that he's an awful option by any means. I mean, the the guy is going to be your guy. And, and as much as Barnes likes to take him off the bench, you you don't have Kennedy Chandler. He's not walking through that door anymore. So so is going to be the dude unless Tyrese Hunter. And like you said, that that's, you know, might be a pipe dream with Courtney Ramey leaving um, Texas uh, Tyrese Hunter going there seems pretty likely in my opinion. Um, and if Tyrese Hunter does, does show up, I feel like he'll get to start over Zakai. I really do. I, I think he's, he's a fantastic player. Uh, he, he did really well at Iowa State. But, you know, I I feel like Zakai is, is going to be that guy. B.J. Edwards, like I said, an emergency option. And and like a, there's there's guys like Courtney Ramey that you could maybe go after he'd he'd be a great option if if you could land him. I'm not sure how many talks Tennessee has had with him. Another guy I really like is Malachi Smith. but like he's not really a true point guard at out of Chattanooga, so I'm not really sure if you're really adding anything there to really help Zikaia out. but You
0: can ask uh, Gene, on the, anyone who's listening, who l- listened to a couple of podcasts ago, I would love Malachi Smith to come to Tennessee. Right? He's not a true point guard, so I don't know if that really addresses your need. But God, I, I'm a huge Malachi Smith fan. I, I would love to see him in the orange and white. Don't think it's going to happen, but man, I, that would be a... I, there's not a guy I've wanted more that I don't think there's a realistic shot of him coming to Tennessee than Malachi Smith uh, as a transfer. I, I would love for him to come here.
1: No, I agree with you 100%. But yeah, getting back to the point guard problem, the, the other thing that you say uh, that's I think really interesting is Santiago Vescovi. He could absolutely act as that backup uh, emergency point guard if if B J Edwards really does not turn out to be what Barnes uh, I, I guess wanted him to be. Now it's it's not the end of the world. I'll say it a thousand times. Zakai Zakai is a perfectly reasonable starting option. Now, when you want to give him rest, B.J. Edwards, it's not going to be the end of the world. He's a fantastic offensive player, and I feel like he could really flourish in an offense that, that moves the way that Zakai and Kennedy moved last season. It's just he's not, I feel like, going to be able to immediately lock in on the defensive end the way that Barnes demands his point guards do. And if that's the case, then then we're not going to see a lot of B.J. Edwards. It's as simple as that. And, and Barnes will figure it out from that point. Having a guy like, like Phillips, like Julian Phillips, come in, that can really stretch the floor and really, uh, I guess, give Barnes the options, kind of like we were talking about earlier, to be able to, I guess, mitigate that problem. So if if you have to reach for someone in your Tennessee, I wouldn't bother. I, I would not bother. But if, if you can get a guy like Tyrese Hunter, that that just makes this team go from top 15 to easily comfortably top 10 if, if you've got a guy like Tyrese Hunter going in. But with, with a, a cast like Gonzaga, Texas, Kansas, that's that's going to be difficult to do.
0: Yeah, he's a uh, probably. I mean, he's the top point guard option remaining in the portal, in my opinion. Um, but like I said, the, the, the look at the teams he's going like that are interested in him that he's visited that he's looking at, and that's all you need to know about how good of a player he is. And we, when Gina and I talked about him on the podcast um, that Tuesday or Wednesday, like that week after Yuri <laughs> withdrew, like Tennessee landed Harry Key, and then Yuri withdrew his name for the transfer portal, said he's staying at St. Louis, and then like uh, within 48 hours of that happening is when you had Tyrese Hunter release his top six and Tennessee was in it. Everyone's like, oh, oh okay. Or like, look, there's <laughs> there's still hope here. Um, He would be a huge addition. I, again, though, I, it just feels like Texas to me um, for him. And I would love to be wrong because I, I, for him, I don't think it's about NIL necessarily because I mean, Tennessee and Texas, th- those two schools can provide an NIL and Kansas for basketball could provide an NIL like big time. I think for him, it really is about wanting to improve his play and get to that next step of you know pursuing his NBA dreams or professional dreams whatever it is overseas NBA whatever um and then also like being on a bigger stage than where he was and and playing with a better team than where he was too so I, I, again if you're looking as you're if you're a point guard and you want to be developed I mean Rick Barnes is about as good as it can get but I also understand the you know, one to pre- play for Chris Beard. Chris Beard's a really good coach. Gonzaga, Mark Fuse, really good coach. Bill Self with all the retires and stuff, Bill Self might be the, the number one coach in college basketball now. Like he, that's a, an interesting conversation to have. You look at Roy Williams, Tchaikovsky and um, uh, yeah, I I forgot Villanova's head coach's name. Jay Wright. Yeah. If you look at all of them stepping down, it, you really can't make a, it with Bill Self just now winning the title too. He, he might be number one in college basketball. Um, so, I mean, you look at all those coaches. I mean, he's He's got a list of really, I mean, future Hall of Famer coaches. And I don't know about Chris Beard being a future Hall of Famer, but he could be. But uh, those other three, Rick Barnes, Spark Few, and um, Bill Self, definitely are Hall of Fame coaches. So he's got his his pick of the litter. Again, like you said, I, I agree with you, too, that you go too far down the list, you're better off not just, like, taking a body, just be taking a body. Uh, Tennessee's going to have a – we'll still have a good roster next year if they don't get a transfer point guard. But I almost wonder if – you still take one in to have depth I don't it's good be like having like a, a James Daniel the third type of guy like you had a few years ago um when Tennessee again kind of had a similar situation where they had young point guards and a guy you didn't really want to trust you know didn't want to trust those young guys to be the focal point of the offense so you brought in a James Daniel who wasn't what he was at um whatever school he came from like I can't remember what school he transferred from where he was really good and then he got hurt and then was not the same guy at Tennessee but he was still a a talented player was still a a very good point guard for Tennessee but you had Lamonte Turner you had a young Jordan Bone both those guys are young at the point guard spot that year but um you maybe look at that but again I don't know the names in the transfer portal aren't incredible right now but you also have the chance of with all the NBA combine stuff now coming out and You have to, by the end of this month, and I think June 1st is when you can uh, withdraw your name from NBA consideration and, you know, decide to come back from college. So how many guys do we see between now and the end of May do that? And do we have any point guards that do that? And then Tennessee goes, oh, hey, you know, that's a guy we've been in contact with already before. And, you know, now we have a legitimate shot of maybe landing him. So we're not done. This is this. By this point last year, Tennessee had added a, a few names onto the roster and several names actually, but they still hadn't added. You know, for one, as guy like Ziegler, I don't think at this point they'd added maybe a, an Andre Tamba, and they'd added a, a good amount of the guys they ended up you know having for the roster this year. But they still had a couple of guys they hadn't added, and I expect Tennessee to again it would be by by the time we're in late May and into June, and the roster still have a spot open potentially. So. We'll see about the point guard. Another again, the two names that are coming at this weekend on the recruiting front, Ethan, that are very intriguing, are Toby Awaka and DJ Jefferson. Awaka is a post player who really both these guys are guys that really emerged here recently, after having some I guess kind of late spring um, tournaments. For DJ, DJ Jefferson, it was the Iverson Classic. For uh, Awaka, it was the Peach Jam, which is the same thing that happened with Sakai Ziegler. And he actually plays for the same AU team that Sakai Ziegler did, which is also an interesting kind of note there. I really, really like the potential of both these guys. I I don't think either one comes in as an immediate kind of instant impact like we saw with Sakai Ziegler, where he's a guy that was playing 20, 25 minutes off the bench and then made a spot start. I don't think either one of those guys are going to be that. But Ethan, I really like looking at Tobey Awaka and his game and his build and how we know Rick Barnes likes to potentially use post players I think Toby Walker is a, a great fit down the line at Tennessee and uh, DJ Jefferson's a very intriguing wing player. He's very athletic. I think he's a little more raw. That's why I think he's not a guy. that I think both these guys kind of are, but I mean, Toby Iwaka to me is he looks like a guy that's a built perfectly for a four or five role in a Rick Barnes offense and defense. In my opinion, I, I think he is, if Tennessee doesn't land him, I think Tennessee, in my opinion, leads for him. just based off, you know, who has offered him, who he's really considering right now, but um, I think if he comes to Tennessee down the line, uh, next two or three seasons, I think he's going to be a a very solid player for the Vols.
1: Yeah, I actually I was coming back from a final on campus today. I saw the Kai going to uh, the uh, you know the training facility right next to Thompson Bowling Arena, and that's actually uh, Walker is visiting, I believe today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, there's a possibility he's he's going to check him out and you know maybe shoot a couple hoops uh, here and there. But I. I bring up Zakai because I just cannot help but see the Zakai parallels there. I mean, yep. not not necessarily obviously completely different player. Let's let's throw that out the window first. But the fact that you know they both come from the same AAU team, they're both really not, I guess, uh, well uh, recruited. You know, like I believe this Awaka, I, I don't think he has any stars on twenty four seven at the moment. I,
0: he doesn't I, have rivals either.
1: <laughs> yeah, his his list right now is Bowling Green. I think I saw maybe Seton Hall is is one of the big ones going after him, but
0: he yeah he had released i want to say he released the top three recently but i could be wrong
1: i i must have missed that i must have missed that but i had heard his name for i had heard his name for a while and and i agree with you 100 percent i think he has the makings to be a really really good player in in a rick barnes offense and he seems to like those guys that are just scrappy the guys that that you know kind of like zakai i feel like and can play an underdog story you think about grant williams he's the number 191 rated prospect three star guy and now he's contributing for the boston celtics in in, in the nba so i I feel like that's the perfect type of guy that can just bud in in rick barnes's system and 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 really turn into a decent player and I, i feel like the same similarity to you i feel like he's kind of a lock for tennessee at the moment just based on on the amount of of talent i guess and and notoriety that the teams have that that they're also going against him about Jefferson I I don't know much about him I'm going to be 100% honest straightforward with you I know he's a three-star guy Richard in Texas and at at the moment he's just another body I feel like he's a guy that can be very similar maybe to Jemima Shaq Quentin Dabunji this past year he can you know fill that role on the bench come in every once in a while when it's needed but really you just need those dudes so you can build them up because they got to come from somewhere, and and it really doesn't. It, as I've been talking about with the Waka Barnes, really doesn't care about the stars. He he cares about the work ethic that you put in, and I, I feel like Jefferson would would be able to fit that mold, just as another guy to add to the roster. Because when you look at it, Tennessee's got their starting people, and they've got their backup people. There's there's nine or ten players that that could legitimately see some pretty good playing time, especially adding Phillips and and adding B.J. Edwards probably coming in after Zakai. So there's there's not many, I guess, minutes remaining on this team for next season. The the worry is if someone goes down with an injury. um, That's obviously chief number one. D.J. Jefferson should not by any means be uh, playing legitimate minutes for the Vols next season, but that still doesn't mean that he's not a uh, noteworthy addition to to the cause.
0: Yeah, no, I was wrong. It was not, not – Toby Waka didn't – put out a top three or top you know teams whether it was dj jefferson i knew he did but i thought awaka did too but uh Jefferson's top three were tennessee wake forest and um washington state but he's got another other offers. he's a guy that, he's, he's it's, it's again he's just so interesting he he's a top 50 prospect on on three but then like you mentioned he's a three-star everywhere else like so I many other, other places i don't think have updated a whole lot since the iverson classic um 90247 just did an update but i know apparently they didn't take into account the, the iverson classic I, I don't know why uh, that's really where he kind of exploded. But, yeah, he's at the number 45 overall prospect, a four-star on, um, on three, which if you're looking at, like, kind of other rankings, that is, you mentioned Jemai Meshack, that's kind of where he was. He was a, around the top 50, kind of inside the top 50 um, in the rankings. So I, I'd agree with you. Like, I, I, he's a guy that I think would be, um, expectation-wise, I wouldn't expect him to be a, a big contributor in year one, wherever he goes. If he goes to Tennessee, if he goes to Wake Forest, if he goes to – um, washington state like I, I wouldn't expect him to be a huge huge contributor to either of those any of those schools regardless of um where he goes but he is a a guy that's really risen out the ranks he's got again very athletic he has picked up a lot of offers recently i want to say he's gotten offers from like iowa state and creighton and whatnot so again you know some pretty pretty good schools over the last few years in in college basketball um trying try to see if I can find his like timeline if uh on three does a little offer timeline and i don't see that they do so yeah he, he was once committed to tulsa and he decommitted from them in march and that's when he's really kind of blown up since then so yeah both of those guys though are visiting this weekend like you said i think awaka as we're recording this might already be on campus um hopefully he's staying safe in the storm that we are experiencing here in knoxville right now um but i think like those are the three names to kind of keep an eye on right now are hunter awaka and jefferson um I think there's a pretty decent chance Tennessee gets both Awaka and Jefferson. If not, I think they at least get a And uh, again, Jefferson, I mean, playing for C Forbes would be fun and wait for us that I'd, i just be honest. Don't really know a whole lot about Washington state's basketball program. um, What they've been like the last, last few years. But I mean, those are pretty good schools for him to be committed to to Tulsa, then have three, uh, more than that, but three high major offers and and have three high major schools as your options Uh, (laughs) uh, as as now, as you, you were committed to Tulsa, like, Two months ago. So uh, really, Ethan, kind of, I guess, wrapping up a little bit here on the show, like the, the roster to me, there's still more pieces to be added. But I look at what the roster looks like on paper right now. Again, this is assuming that both Josiah and Vescovy come back next season. Again, I think they will. If Kamwa, you mentioned him earlier as be, being kind of kind of the X factor in a way, you, I think I can't remember the exact wording you said, but him being a, a kind of a, a big piece for this team next year, I like the potential of next year' team. It, to me, it really hinges on health in the front court and what the point guard position is going to be. Those are kind of the two biggest questions of because I, I think if if Kamaw's healthy, he takes he continues taking that steps forward of what he was doing because he he was being a productive eight and six guy um and was kind of even progressing a little bit more than that before he had his injury in sec play um but starting to finally you know against better competition actually putting up some pretty good numbers and was looking better against sec competition before the injury against south carolina join us adu i think has an immense potential how big of a step does he take in year two under um this coaching staff what does i mean does Ur- urush i mean got made fun of a lot and we you know i'd like make jokes about him a little bit too but like he progressed last year. He was a guy that averaged four, like basically four and a half, four and a half for you last year. And if he gives you that again this year, or maybe upset to five and five, like that's solid contributions off the bench from, uh, from your, your five guy. That's your backup five. I, I think the potential for this team, I, I think the ceiling probably isn't as high as this past year's, but I think the floor is basically the same. Maybe, maybe even a little higher of a floor. I think this team, again, it depends on kind of who they added. It depends on what the point guard position does. This team could be, again, another kind of sweet 16 potential type team. I think next, again, this is where in mid May, there's so much more left to happen. It also depends on what happens in other SEC schools. You look at the recruiting that some of the schools have been doing, some of the transfers that teams have brought in. Uh, The SEC is getting stronger and stronger every day, it feels like. Again, we just saw Loft and go to Florida. Um, But I I think, Ethan, to me, I don't want to say the potential of this team is better than this past season's, because I I don't think it is, unless you, maybe if you get Tyrese Hunter, it is. Um, but I think what you have right now, I'm looking at what you could potentially add. I think this is going to be, again, you mentioned it, they're they're a top 15 team preseason. And I think that's fair. I think they will be a preseason top 15 team, even if they don't add another big, big difference maker like a Tyrese Hunter. I think this will still be a team that, you know, analysts and media folk will look, like, look at and say, OK, they're returning. You know, a, a, they've lost a lot of guys, but a lot of those are bench players. They're returning a big chunk of their production, a lot of their starters. And they're going to be a team that's going to be another top four SEC team. If you're a top four in the SEC, you're a top 20 team in college basketball now.
1: Yeah, you touched on exactly what I was going to say. I, I feel like there are two major, um, I guess, things this off season that that really, I guess, raised the floor for, for this team. And that's you, you've you added veterans, not added veterans, you've kept veterans. And, and all the guys that have left, it, it's not like any of them are a huge you know, press the panic button type of thing. You got Brandon Huntley Hatfield leaving, which is probably I I guess the highest quality of of the entire group. But it's not like he was setting the world on fire by any means. Justin Powell, kind of the same way, and he might return to be totally honest with you, just because he would have to sit out a year. Victor Bailey, also not really that just not that big of a deal. You can replace him with Tyreek Key at the very least. But I mean, let's just go through the starting lineup plus plus rotation here. We got Zakai Ziegler. And he's going to take a step, almost no doubt. And playing without Kennedy might mess that up a little bit. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't expect anything scary from him. So the guy's guy, Ziegler, you got most likely Santi Vescovi. Uh, and you can, I guess, play it however you want from here. Can, I, for the sake of the argument, I'll go Phillips and then James and maybe Euros, just because that's what Barnes is like to do in the past to have him at the five. We're leaving Kam on the bench here. We're leaving Tyreek Key on the bench here, and, and not to mention Jonas Adu on the bench. That eight dudes right there. That's a rotation. Um, you know, working working injuries into that. That's where that becomes a problem. Working, mm-hmm. you know, Jamin Masak is probably the number nine in that in that offense with B J Edwards at the number ten. But. With injuries, all of a sudden, Jemima Shack is getting legitimate minutes, and then you know you just got to kind of hope that he takes that big step, gets his offensive game down a little bit. And I, I think Mashak—not to go on a tangent about him, but I think he can be a really decent defensive player if he can get a shot down. I think I think fans are going to like him a lot. I really do. If he can if he can up that from whatever it was at three point percent range, just to thirty twenty nine percent, man, get it get it to a point where you're not breaking it off the backboard. And I, I feel like people are going to like him a lot. But I mean the I, th- I think I think you nail it. Even without Tyrese Hunter, this team is is going to be good. They're they're going to be legitimately a, a threat. I feel like even without Kennedy Chandler and maybe even without that alpha male guy, y- you can talk about Phillips being that guy, but we just don't know as of right now. And and something else I think that's really interesting is it's it's midway through May. We've still got a pretty decent while. The Kai Ziegler he he committed I believe not even a year ago. It was like August twenty yeah. seventh or something like that. I mean, no no one knew Zach Ziegler's name a year ago today, and and look at look at what we're talking about now with that guy starting. Um, and, and so you could add anybody from heck, I'll say it overseas from uh, I don't know, maybe someone randomly decides that they want to transfer out of a big tier program, anything like that could happen. So so I feel like you know the story's not quite written yet. I feel like the story's not quite finalized finalized yet. And even right now, if everything stays how it is, this is going to be a pretty pretty good team next year.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think about when Ziegler committed because it was um, August twenty seventh of last year when he committed. Which you're you're getting up close to the the start of uh, fall practices by the time, like for for like college basketball fall practices by the time he like committed and everything. Tennessee didn't offer him until August ninth. Or they they may have offered him before that. I'm looking at the two four seven timeline. Sometimes they aren't great about actually tracking the offers on there. Um, but I know Tennessee was interested in him before that, but yeah, um, he didn't actually commit to Tennessee. He visited them an official visit on the 22nd and then committed on the 27th. So, yeah,
1: just like that. It was immediately, yeah. he was like, Yeah, this is where I want to go. And, and just look where he is now. <laughs> Something like that could very easily happen, I guess, is all I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I also 100% agree with you about May Shack because I, I think when he committed and I got to talk with different people about him i love his attitude i love his defense and like you said if he can add a consistent shot the the sky's the limit for him i'm, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be like a, a guy who's gonna be a superstar or anything like that but he's a guy if he adds his shot he's potentially a, a josh richardson type who can just all of a sudden explode and then he's a really good really really good player on our team i don't think he i don't think his ceiling is quite jay rich in terms of because he, he just to me isn't he's pretty gifted athletically i don't know maybe, maybe it is his ceiling is jay rich but he's a guy that Again, Richardson was known for his defense and his dogged defense in his first couple years at Tennessee and then really turned it on in that uh, Sweet 16 run under Kanza Martin. And the next year, he was the guy for Tennessee. I don't ever see Meshack being the guy for Tennessee, but if he can figure out his offense, if he can get that shot down or maybe even be a guy that can drive to the basket, if he can bring something offensively that Tennessee needs, um, whether that's this year or next year, then like you said, that, that that's going to be a big boost for whatever team if it's the season's team or technically next season team or the year after that where he's in year three you know i, I think he has a high potential and i've, I've always been a fan of may and I, I hope he figures it out at tennessee because i, I would love to see him succeed at tennessee but ethan uh it's been fun having you on here buddy uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime um in the future when gene and i can't get the, our schedules to align again <laughs> we'll just have you on for an extra episode because it's it's fun talking with you here uh first time having you on here so it, it's your first time on here so a lot of you people you know listening probably don't know who you are probably should have done this at the beginning of the show but plugs you know where people can follow you where they can find you you know anything you you, know, you talk about vols a little bit on twitter and stuff so you know talk about where they can find your work where they can follow you and kind of where they can interact with you
1: yeah. So I used to be the assistant sports editor with uh, the daily beacon on campus. So I just graduated just about to get out of there. Um, you know, I'm very excited for, for what's coming next. Hopefully uh, some, some good things in the future. I got something working right now. Um, so hopefully I'll stay covering the Vols here in the future, but you can uh, find me on Twitter, Ethan stone, 23, 23 for Devin Hester. If <laughs> you remember that, but, but yeah, just find me there. And then hopefully I'll be uh, entertaining and, and reporting for a pretty decent time here in Rocky top.
0: So you're a Bears fan, Ethan. Yes, yes, sir. Yes. So like, really quickly before we close out, how happy are you about Valus Jones going to the Bears?
1: I am happier than a lot of people. I, I really am. I feel like there's a lot of Bears fans that, that because at that point in the draft, there were guys like Jalen Tolbert available. There were some some really, really decent wide receivers available. And when when he, when he they picked Valus at first, I was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. And then I got thinking about it more and I was like, you know what? He could be a player. He could really, really be a player in this offense because you know, I don't want to go too far to the Bears, but they got Darnell Moody, Byron Pringle, and that is it, my friend. <laughs> so so Valus Jones, he, he has a chance uh, to, to really be a good player for them. And I know Justin Fields specifically asked for Valus for to be on the list. So that obviously building that connection right there. That's, that's going to be really interesting to see. And I, I really hope the former Vulcan can, can uh, produce on Sundays for, for my beloved Bears.
0: I hope for your sake that he can too. And I hope for Vales is like, he can't cause I, I like Bayless as a, not just as a player, but as a person, he seemed like a really just nice, cool guy. And I, I like his personality. So I hope he succeeds there. I hope he's the next Devin Hester. Cause he's obviously going to be on special teams for you guys. So hopefully he's the next uh, Devin Hester for <laughs> the bears. But thank you, Ethan, again, for coming on here. That would be Again, I'll, I'll put your Twitter and stuff on the description for the podcast down on YouTube. So people can just easily click there and find you on that way. But again, thank you all so much for watching or listening. However you are consuming the show if you're on youtube again please subscribe if you haven't already share this with vol fr- Vault fan friends or if you're you know friends or family with julian phillips you know we'll love for you to have your, your comments and stuff here on the on the show you know, leave a comment down below on youtube or subscribe to the podcast we'll be talking about it, i'm sure a lot in the next year or so uh, for tansy basketball so thank you all again signing off for ethan i am nathaniel and this has been another episode of the vol basketball fever podcast Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, Vol fans.